Memorial Health System provides comprehensive health services that meet the needs of the region we serve. And we are proud to present Memorial Health Radio. Here's Melanie Cole. In the wake of political figures passing away from glioblastoma, you might have questions about this form of brain cancer. My guest today is Dr. Shinoj Patali. He's a hematologist-oncologist at Memorial Health System. Dr. Patali, what is glioblastoma that we've been hearing so much in the media about lately? It is one of a very aggressive brain can- uh, brain tumor that uh, where the cancer cells very aggressively multiply, um, and they're graded into different grades. Think from grade one being less aggressive, and grade two and three more aggressive, and most aggressive one would be the grade four, and that is the glioblastoma uh, of the brain. Who is at risk? Is there a genetic component to this? Is it random? And also, is it considered a primary cancer or a metastasis from something else? Uh, For the most part, this is considered as a primary cancer of the brain. It uh, usually does not uh, metastasize anywhere else. It's a, it's a primary brain cancer. It's very aggressive. There have been some genetic syndromes, very rarely, uh, that has been associated with the brain tumors. But for most people, uh, this happens in the late 60s and 70s in their age. And, and most of the time, they're random um, when we evaluate for um, some of the symptoms. So let's talk about the symptoms then. People get a headache, Dr. Patali, and they right away think the worst, brain tumor, something. What are some specific symptoms and diagnostic criteria that would send somebody to see whether it was a neurologist or their primary care provider? What would a person notice that would send up some red flags? So, um, and like I said, these are rare brain tumors, only less than one or one to two percent of uh, uh, cancers, very rare. Uh, so there are no specific symptoms, but the symptoms uh, that would sometimes be associated is persistent headaches, nausea, vomiting. Um, th- those are generally associated with any headaches uh, or migraine headaches, but if they are persistent, uh, that needs to be evaluated. And the age group where this is seen more commonly is in their late 60s or 70s. Um, but since this being a rare tumor, um, the, 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 there's no screening tests or um, specific uh, uh, testing available. Uh, but but symptom-wise, this is uh, usually common symptoms are mostly headaches or nausea or vomiting. And you mentioned staging. So as you diagnose this type of brain tumor, tell us a little bit about the staging and then what are the standard courses of treatment for this right now? Okay. So uh, in brain tumors, we don't generally call a a staging um, as as we apply this to a lung cancer or breast cancer because generally these type of tumors stay in the brain and they rarely metastasize, but they're very aggressive cancers. They grow in any area of the brain, and they have these uh, tentacles that infiltrate to the rest of the brain tissue uh, outwards, but they tend not to go outside of the brain to any other parts of the body. Uh, so pretty much uh, uh, anybody who's diagnosed is in an advanced stage. And what are you doing if somebody is diagnosed with glioblastoma? What's the standard course of treatment? So if they're diagnosed with it, 
based on a MRI scan of their brain. Um, they, we, we, brain surgeons, neuro, neurosurgeons uh, do a surgery in the brain initially to biopsy it to confirm this is glioblastoma uh, or not. And then they try to remove the fullest extent possible uh, or, or resect it out, try to, but, um, but unfortunately due to the, the, the way the tumor spreads is through this tentacles infiltrate to the rest of the brain. Um, it, it's never completely removed surgically, but they can try to remove the fullest extent possible. But following that surgery, um, the patient undergoes uh, chemotherapy and radiation to control the rest of the disease uh, outside of the main tumor site. And that that would be the more definitive treatment, uh, which is which involves chemotherapy, pills, and radiation after the complete resection. Dr. Patali, tell us about some promising new therapies. Is, is immunotherapy or CAR T cell? Are there anything new on the horizon that you see coming down the pike for glioblastoma? Um, yes. So, um, so as we know, the, the, there are new treatments coming out. Uh, um, Every every year, and for the last couple of years, the newer things beyond chemotherapy, radiation, or surgery uh, was the advent of this tumor treating field or Optune. Uh, Optune is a company that makes this tumor treating field, which is a device people wear uh, in their head, and that produces this uh, treatment field that also shrinks and controls the cancer. Um, this has been approved in combination with the chemotherapy and radiation up front, or if the patient continues to wear that throughout the course of their disease, um, which has shown to have overall survival benefit um, in the in the treatment course. Uh, CAR T-cells uh, has shown some promise. There has been research done on genetically engineered T-cells where, the, where we make the immune system fight this cancer. And there has been ongoing trials. It's very interesting. The Trials are not mature yet to to be used for everybody, but that is in the horizon. Um, immunotherapy as well. There, there, there is not. They are not approved yet, but there has there is some trials ongoing considering immunotherapy as well. But uh, CARTI is is seems more promising. Dr. Patali, you've mentioned that this is a very aggressive form of brain cancer. When do you discuss with a patient? about stopping treatment and starting to plan for end-of-life care. What does that discussion look like with the patient and their family? So if you look at the natural history of this cancer, um, there are certain mutations uh, that we check for called um, MGMT methylation, which tells you whether chemotherapy works better for this person or not. Uh, There are some uh, mutations called... uh, IDH1 and 2 mutations, which sometimes pre- predicts mutation if you if it's a mutant variety, they have a better prognosis uh, than than a less uh, than than having a wild type IDH. Um, if you look at the average lifespan in once you're diagnosed with this, is 11 to 15 months. It's a range of that, and if you have a mutation, it could be longer to 24 to 30 months. Um, so depending on that, sometimes the prognosis can be different. But overall, uh, for the most part, uh, the maximum surgery with, followed by chemotherapy and radiation and tumor-treating field 
upfront approach and most people benefit from that and once it occurs after a year or so um the treatments are there are second line and third line treatment options but it gets progressively um less beneficial at that point in time and we start uh, uh involving palliative care and and discuss with the family about uh, uh transitioning to hospice care or end of life care at that point in time and and what does that look like dr patali what are the goals of hospice care for somebody that is suffering from glioblastoma so some, depending on the location of the tumor uh, sometimes there can be personality changes if they are occur in the front of the brain um and and sometimes it can uh, ability to make decisions uh, with the radiation the uh, patients can have memory loss and, and and they may not be able to handle their situations uh, uh, in a daily life very well so a lot of times uh, they, they these patients need a lot of support from the family and the caregiver in terms of making decisions and so uh, we try to involve palliative care hospice up front because of uh, because it involves brain and it involves uh, uh, functions and memory and intelligence and all that so a uh, lot of times we try to involve palliative care to make decisions on um appointing a power of attorney and uh, how the whether we need to do resuscitate or not um a lot of times uh, uh, it's better to have these discussions earlier when they're able to make these decisions themselves um and 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 talk to next of kin or the family member to uh, help us make the decisions what uh, to to plan for it uh future care um and and a lot of times depending on the needs uh we may involve hospice or sometimes family members can take care of it uh, uh towards the end of life then wrap it up as as people have been hearing so much more about this rare type of tumor in the media dr patali just wrap it up what you want the take home message to be about this and what you would like people to know i would say this is a um very aggressive type of brain tumor fortunately it's not very common uh, in in um in incidence but uh, and there are treatment options for this and there are more promising treatments uh, on the horizon so most of the treatment once you if you have uh, if you're in 60s or 70s age group you have this persistent headache or nausea or vomiting uh, it, it's better it's better to check it out and if If you find a, a, a tumor, uh, biopsy it, do the fullest extent surgery up front, and do chemotherapy radiation, and do the appropriate treatment. The survival is uh, uh, up to a year and a half to two overall. But some people can um, better that outcome, uh, and there are more treatments coming up. So I think um, patients should be hopeful that there are because of the newer treatments and the current treatments that can extend life. and preserve their quality of life um but uh, being this an aggressive tumor um the the outcome is not as great as we want it to be but there but there's still reason to hope for uh, good treatments and good quality of life thank you so much doctor for joining us today and sharing your expertise and clearing up some of the confusion that people have been hearing about this thank you so much you're listening to memorial health radio with memorial health system for more information please visit mhsystem.org that's mhsystem.org this is melanie cole thanks so much for listening